Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. All right, listen, before we get rolling this morning, Jen's going to come up really quick. She doesn't know this, but uh, in, in light of, you know, this upcoming Thursday being Thanksgiving, I'm hoping that all of you can help uh, the two of us uh, basically bring an end to a longstanding debate in our home. I got a feeling that a lot of women just say, boy, you're stupid. All right, so anyway, so here's the deal. It's not that serious, but it's important, all right, just so it's important. So just really quick, I, I just want to know by a show of hands, how many of you guys, uh, you know, tell me which one you prefer. Which food option is better? Do you prefer stuffing or do you prefer chicken and dressing? So if you vote for stuffing, please raise your hand. I can't even tell, I can't even gauge the room right now, but, but I saw a guy from New York raise his hand first. All right, so, so how many of you guys prefer, like, some really good chicken and dressing? It's not chicken and dressing. It is dress. Oh, no, we make chicken in it. My, where I come from. Can I, can I just let y'all know y'all a deceived bunch of people? Man, listen, listen, stuffing, hold up, stuffing is so dry, you got to like drench it in gravy just to, uh. all right, next thing, okay, how many of you guys, because I'm not winning, this is not good, it's because you're prettier, okay, anyway, so, how many of you guys prefer a roll or a biscuit, how many of you guys would vote for a roll? How many of you guys vote for a biscuit? Who's anointed in the room? Who's anointed? Man. For breakfast with Okay. Last one. All right. Last one. I thought I was going to get some help, but I am way too far above the Mason-Dixie line. All right. Okay. So um, how many of you guys prefer a ham versus a turkey? What do you prefer? Ham people in here. Man, we finally felt the presence right there. The presence came. How many of you guys prefer actually like a fried turkey? Let's go deep here. Fried turkey over a normal turkey. Y'all have never felt the anointing rush to your veins. It's called grease, <laughs> right? Anyways, awesome. Well, thank you for not helping me at all today. I feel absolutely defeated and want to go home. All right. I'm a winner. All right, thanks, Jen. So listen, I, I don't know about you, but I really, at least Thanksgiving, I enjoy food, I enjoy football, and I really enjoy hanging out with family and friends, and it's probably in that order, by the way. Anyways, so uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But anyways, listen, I am uh, sure that most of us are aware that the underlining purpose of the day uh, is, you know, it's, it's about more than just those handful of things. Right. In fact, while I was preparing for this morning, I ran across uh, the opening quote from the Thanksgiving Proclamation. Never even knew there was one, uh, but it was actually signed by President George Washington on October the third, seventeen eighty-nine, when he declared Thanksgiving a national holiday. I want to real quick throw this up, and we'll pray, and we'll get rolling. But I just kind of want to set the course here today. This is what our first president said. 
He says, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States uh, a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts, that's my favorite part, the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Listen, as we can see, the original purpose of Thanksgiving Day was uh, so that we as a nation could turn our attention towards God with a grateful heart just to say thank you for all the things that he's done for us. But I want to say something today. Um, listen, I just believe when you love Jesus... Thanksgiving is not just a holiday, it's actually an attitude and a posture of the heart uh, that we can and we should practice on a daily basis. Can I hear a good amen on that? All right. So listen, with all that in mind, I would like to actually uh, share a few thoughts with you, uh, some of which I've actually shared with you in the past, so maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, depends on when you came to the church, but uh, I, I just want to say this, while I admit that not everything I'm about to share is new and fresh and all that, uh, it doesn't change the fact that uh, this message still holds a powerful biblical principle that I believe God desires for all of his children to walk in. Amen? So let's pray and we'll hop in. Father, we thank you for your presence today. God, we thank you for who you are in our life. God, truly, as we sang a while ago, it is the goodness of God. Lord, you have poured your goodness out upon us more than we can ever imagine and more than we could have ever dreamed of. And God, we just say thank you for that. Would you come with your presence? Would you come with your anointing? And would you come and just explode in our hearts with revelation? Will you turn the light on, God, so we can see things the way we've never seen them before? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to start this morning by uh, showing you actually a picture. <laughs> so listen, I, I, this little girl's name, her name is Margaret Ruth Owensby. And, uh, you know, you don't have to rack your brain trying to figure out who that is. Uh, look, she didn't grow up to accomplish great things, and uh, she wasn't famous, and, and she wasn't successful by the world standards. Uh, truthfully, if I can give you a little bit about her, she was the uh, second oldest of six children and she actually grew up absolutely dirt poor and about 30 miles north of Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, down the end of a really old country dirt road in an area they call Philadelphia. And uh, listen, well, I want you to know that uh, even though that, that little girl right there never became somebody great, I was hoping that wasn't going to happen, uh, she... Uh, probably has made a, a greater impact in my life than anybody I've ever known outside of that lady right there. And that's because that's my grandmother. <laughs> Sorry. So why am I showing you a picture of her today? Obviously you can tell I love her. <laughs> she passed away a few years ago and it's still uh, it's hard. Anyways... Listen, when, when the reason I'm showing you a picture of her as a little girl is because when I was a child, I remember my grandmother telling all of us uh, grandkids about her childhood. And for some reason, out of all the stories that she ever shared, uh, there were a few, really three stories uh, in particular that have really stuck with me through all these years. And the first one was this, is that she would tell us that, she told us that when she was in elementary school, uh, that she had to actually walk to and from school every day. And here was the interesting part, how in the winter months, uh, she would actually carry a wrapped hot baked potato in her coat pocket to keep her hands warm. And when she got to school, she would actually eat it for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and she also told us that a second story that always sticks out to me is that she talks about when she was a kid, all her family had for a bathroom, get this, uh, was actually a seat made of wood that was nailed to a tree in the backyard. So, and because there were, uh, because they were so poor, and I don't mean to be gross, uh, but once again, it's part of the story, uh, she would talk about how they had to use corn cobs instead of toilet paper. Listen, she would uh, talk about how when it was extremely hot in the summer, you know, you'd just be out there melting, it was freezing cold in the winter. And I remember talking about how, you know, just being a kid, you know, sitting out there on that, you know, using the bathroom by a tree of just how embarrassing it was because everybody could see you. And, you know, to me, I just still this day, I think it's crazy that her and her family lived like that uh, until she was 12 years old. Because when she was 12 years old, she finally convinced her dad to build an outhouse around that tree so they could, you know, actually have some privacy. The third thing that always stuck out, you know, to me all throughout all these years, and uh, probably because it's pretty sobering, is how when uh, she was in the sixth grade, get that sixth grade, 12 years old, her, her mother died of tuberculosis, and her father, uh, you know, basically asked her, made her stay at home so she could take care of all the other children that were younger than her. She was very much a natural caregiver. Anyways, the point that I'm telling you that, and the reason I'm showing this picture that's and this may sound kind of awkward, but I can still remember as a kid joking and laughing and making fun of her about the potato and the corn cob, right? And, and I remember my grandmother, she would just always laugh about it too because she was uh, the type of person that never, uh, you know, she didn't feel sorry for herself. She didn't tell those stories so she could get pity. Uh, you know, she didn't really take herself too serious, so she would just kind of join in with the fun. Uh, but, but here's what I realized. This is the point I'm getting at. It wasn't until I got older uh, that I realized actually why my grandmother told us those stories as children. You see, even though we didn't uh, get that at the time, my grandmother was actually trying to teach all of us grandkids an important life lesson, and that lesson was this, is that no matter the situation we find ourselves in, in this life, we need to be grateful. See, the word grateful means this. It means to show a deep appreciation for the kindness or the benefits received. I'm going to say that again. The word gratefulness means to show a deep appreciation for the kindness or the benefits received. Is there anybody that's ever received some good benefits in this life? Amen. Listen, another word that we can use, talking about grateful, that's really inter, you know, interchangeable, is the word thankful. So what's also pretty neat, you know, just thinking about, you know, thinking back is I can look back now to all those years and, and I actually can see that that lesson didn't just start and stop with my grandmother. Uh, it, you know, because actually the truth is my, my parents really did a great job of depositing the same lesson to all of us kids. I'm, uh, I'm one of five boys. So, um, you see, basically my, my parents, they not only continually communicated uh, why we should express gratefulness and when we should express gratefulness, but they also did a wonderful job displaying it in front of us. How many of you guys know, I'll just say it to the parents really quick, it's our responsibility to actually teach our children how to be grateful, especially in a very entitled world. Amen? Listen, it's because of these things that my hope, I hope today, that because of all the stuff that my grandmother did and all the stuff that my parents did, I hope that the concept of gratefulness has been so deeply ingrained in my mind and my heart that hopefully by now as an adult, it's become part of my character. Yeah? So listen, I'm going to sound like I'm talking out of the two sides of my neck here, but um, with that said, I don't know about you, but uh, i got to confess to you today. Uh, that while I'm extremely thankful for the lessons that I was taught, uh, unfortunately, over the years, there have been times where I have forgotten to actually apply those lessons to my life. Am I the only one? 
Listen, in fact, there's been times over the years where I've done the, you know, the exact opposite. In other words, I've been the exact opposite other than grateful. So much so that there's been times where I've been jealous. Man, I've been envious. I've been prideful. I've been short-sighted. I've been frustrated, right? I felt entitled, felt like I deserved things, right? I've been impatient. I've been critical. I've been selfish and just downright ungrateful. Now, listen, obviously I can't speak for anyone else in this room, but something I've noticed in my life is the number one way that a lack of gratefulness reveals itself in me is through one way, is through complaining. Listen, the, the word complain means to express dissatisfaction resentment and to find fault to express dissatisfaction resentment and to find fault see once again i don't know about you but when i get dissatisfied with an area of my life i typically start finding faults with things and people that evolve in that in that circumstance right in that area right and then when i start you know finding fault I, that's typically where i start letting resentment kind of get settled and get it you know really get it home in my heart right and then I begin to express those emotions, that resentment, right, by moaning, griping, and complaining. Am I the only one? Yeah, I know I'm not. <laughs> right? And the reason is this, is because, uh, man, if you, if you haven't noticed, it's really, see, there's people are all around us, man, they're complaining constantly. True? Listen, it's because for whatever reason, we live in a society, we'll throw up this next slide so you can see it, but we live in a society where people are more prone. I even say this, it's accepted, okay, that we live in a society where people are more prone or have a greater tendency to criticize than to praise. They're quicker to complain than to think, and they're much more ready to vent disappointment before expressing gratitude. And you know what I've learned? Everybody look here, please. Is that's not just with folks in the world, but it's with people in the church as well. And if I'm going to be honest, sometimes I think we're just as bad, just about different things. We're arguing, complaining on another side, right? So here's what I'm getting at. It is having you notice how easy it is to get in a mode of being dissatisfied in certain areas of your life. Come on, wave your hand at me if you know what I'm talking about. Please help me out today. Yeah. L listen, how easy it is to slip into a mode where we begin to find faults with everything and everyone around us. Like, it's easy to get so focused on what we don't have that we lose sight and forget about all the things, and we forget to be thankful, let me say it that way, of the things that we do have. And I'll put it another way. It like, ha have you noticed how easy it is to not be like Jesus? Like, I think of anything, like, right, like anything. If I've, you know, watching The Chosen, if it's taught me anything is this, is man, is, I'm really nothing like him. That's humbling. Yeah? So let me give you a biblical example of what I mean, and hopefully this hits home in your heart. <coughs> it says this in Luke 9. I'm reading out the Amplified. It says, Now the day was ending, and the twelve disciples came and said to him, Send the crowd away so that they may go into surrounding villages and countryside and find lodging and get provisions, because here we are in an isolated place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless perhaps we... Go buy food for all of these people, for there were 5,000 men. Now, obviously, we know that there was more uh, than 5,000 people because that wasn't counting the women and the children, right? And if it's anything like today, there was a whole lot of people because more women and children come to church than men. Just saying, all right? So, li listen, if I can make a pause here, actually, while I was praying, 
I wasn't even thinking about the scripture, and this scripture came in my heart, and I began to see things about it that I'd never seen before, and I just wanted to show you really quick. But, but listen, have you ever noticed that in this portion of scripture that Jesus didn't get mad at the people and start blaming them for failing to pack their own lunch? That's what you would have done. That's what I would have done. Dadgum stupid people. <laughs> then we smile at them. Just kidding. All right, anyways. So listen, nor did he start moaning to the Father and start grumping, you know, grumbling, complaining, and just talking about, you know, God, I've been ministering to these people all day long. They got all kinds of needs. They're needy people. Man, I'm exhausted. I am tired, right? I, I, you know, like my feet hurt. I, I just want to go get some rest. I don't want to deal with with these people anymore. That's what we do. Right? Like I worked all day. Why is this person calling me with their issues? Don't shout me down. <laughs> Think about this. You know, he's sitting there staring at a bunch of hungry people, even this, and he's sitting there going, God, there's thousands of people here and all you're giving me is five loaves and two fish? You, won't, you give me all this responsibility, but you won't give me the resources I need to handle it. That's what we do. Right? Instead of watch this, here's Jesus. The point is, is, he wasn't ungrateful in the middle of a really difficult circumstance. Watch what he does. It says, and he said to his disciples, it's verse 14. He says, have them sit down to eat in groups at about 50 each. They did so and had them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, those limited resources, and he looked up to heaven and he gave thanks and blessed them. It says, and he broke them and kept giving them to the disciples to set before the crowd. They all ate and were completely satisfied, and the broken pieces which they had left over were abundant and were picked up 12 baskets full. All right, here's why I read that, because I think if you and I are actually going to have uh, if we're going to continue to actually live with a posture of gratefulness in our lives, there's a few things from Jesus that we can learn here. And I'm going to try to go quick because i got a lot more I want to say. The first thing is this. is The first thing I want us to notice is, is that the miracle started when he looked up. The miracle started when he looked up. Look back at verse 16. It says, Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up to heaven. Somebody say, look up. Listen, more often than not, I think where we, where we miss it when it comes to being grateful is we get so caught up and even distracted uh, by looking at everything around us, yeah. right? Like we look to our left, we look to our right, we look at all these things that, that are difficult and that we're stressed out about that are in front of us. We look behind us into our past, and when we begin to look around at all those things, guess what? We fix our eyes there. We tend to get fearful. We get stressed. We start worrying. And then we look back. We start feeling, uh, you know, feelings of guilt and shame. In other words, my point is, is all those things not only rob us of our joy, but they also rob us of our gratitude. Right? Listen, but Jesus didn't do any of that, right? He didn't get fixated on the problem. He didn't get fixated on the lack of resources. Uh, nor did he sit back and grumble and complain and expect those people to fix their own problem or expect the disciples to fix the problem. No, he didn't do any of that. And here's what's really, please, Mainers, hear what I'm saying, okay? Nor did he look at himself and go, well, I have the talent and the ability and the gifting to fix it. Right? He didn't do any of that. He simply looked to heaven. And the Bible uh, actually means this, or the Greek language actually means this when it comes to the word looked up. That's what it means. It actually means to recover sight, to receive sight. I think that's so daggum good. 
You can tell I was in Alabama last week, right? Man, that's so good, right? That literally, that in his looking up, what was he doing? When he looked up, it allowed him to look away from all that mess, right? And when he looked away from all that mess, he actually went, okay, let me look to the Father. And there's this divine exchange that happens, and the Father allows him to begin to see things. He receives sight because he receives the Father's perspective. He has a new vision for the circumstance he's in. If you're with me, say, oh, yeah. Listen, which allowed him to do the second thing. Watch this. It wasn't until he looked up could he do the second part. And that was this. Is number two is the right perspective allowed him to give thanks. Man, so often, listen, in the world we live in, we just need to change our perspective. Amen? Listen, Luke 9, 16. I'm going to read it again. Then he took the five loaves, two fish, he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks. See, the word give thanks means that he was grateful, that he expressed gratitude, and he was just thankful. Come on, how many of you guys know when we begin to fix our eyes in the right direction, it makes it a lot easier to thank God for the circumstance we are in, even if we don't understand it. And it's also a lot easier, uh, you, you know, to remember the things like our resources, our relationships, our blessings, uh, when we have the right perspective too, instead of getting us derailed because of what we don't have. Am I making sense? Now, now watch, watch what happens actually when we're thankful, and this is key. Please grab a hold of this. Third thing that happened is this, is notice that the Father blessed what Jesus was grateful for. He blessed what Jesus was grateful for. And it simply says, obviously, to the five loaves, two fish, he looked up to heaven, he gave thanks and blessed them. The reason I say the Father blessed them is because when you look at what it really means, it means this. It means, yes, that Jesus celebrated and praise the Father for what he had, but it also means this. It means that he prayed and asked God to bless it so it could be of use. What I mean by that is you might think I'm crazy, but I actually believe that you and I can hinder the blessings of God on our life when we are not thankful or grateful for our life. Yes? Listen, I equally believe the opposite is true, that when we, like Jesus, begin to celebrate who God has made us, how he has made us. When we begin to praise him for who he really is and we begin to thank him for the things that he has given to us and entrusted to us, guess what? That the father, like he did with those five loaves and those two fish, right? He'll turn and he'll begin to multiply it with his goodness, his favor, his anointing, so that our lives can be of greater use for his purpose in this earth. I believe that wholeheartedly. I hope you do too, right? So do me a favor really quick because we're going to help your neighbor out today. Revelation's going to come. Just turn to your neighbor, pick your favorite one. It's cool. If you're married, it better be your spouse, all right? <laughs> but just simply tell them this. Just simply say, if you complain. I'll say it like you mean it. If you complain, you will remain. Listen, I know that's so simple, but once again, when we do not show thankfulness and gratefulness for our lives. Once again, we hinder, we put a roadblock of the blessings of God in our life. Amen? So I want to repeat, how, what I was to learn here today, how can we learn to be grateful like Jesus? Once again, we got to learn to look up to heaven. we got to give thanks. If you're in a spot and you're like, God, do you even notice me? I'm telling you, the number one way to get God's attention is start giving thanks. And the third thing we need to do is what? Is we simply need to ask for his blessing on the things that we're grateful for. All right, if I can, I want to give you a verse, and I'm going to give you another biblical story, because uh, I simply want to drive home uh, kind of what we're talking about today. In fact, I want to just say this. I want, to, I want to, in this next verse, I want to tell you why you and I should be so grateful. 
Okay? Why we should express it. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says this. Apostle Paul talking. He says, rejoice always. How many of you guys know that's harder, harder to do? It's easy to say it. It's hard to do, right? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Watch verse 18. In everything. Somebody say everything. everything. That literally means in every detail, even down to the smallest things. He said what? In everything, give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Y'all look at me, please. If you ever like, man, I want to be in the will of God for my life, start giving thanks. That's better than what y'all understand right now. If you want to be in the will of God, start giving thanks. Amen? Watch this next part. In fact, I, I hope these words sink down to your toes the next part, okay? He said this. Notice the next five words. Do not quench the spirit. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. Oh, by the way, do not quench the Spirit. See, Paul makes it really clear that it is the will of God for you and I to show a deep appreciation for the kindness and the benefits that we have received from Him, right? And when we don't, guess what? We not only step outside the will of God for our lives, but we actually quench the Holy Spirit in our lives. You understand the weight of that? All right, let's unpack one more portion of Scripture. I hope you're with me today. I, I think this captures and reinforces everything we're talking about. Let's move quick. Luke 17. <coughs> it says, While Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. And they raised their voices and called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know, something I thought about with that, have you, I don't know if you've ever been in a spot where you went, let me say it this way, when is the last time that you actually asked somebody for mercy? Like, man, if there is any, I don't know if you can get any lower than that, right? Where, where you literally, can you imagine the humility that it takes to actually say, you know what, man, I'm desperate, will you please give me mercy? Right? But, but that's where these guys were. And the reason is, is because obviously they had leprosy. And, and I'm going to say a few things that are important that might seem like they're not. But listen, most of us know that leprosy is a disease that's caused by a bacteria that infects areas of a person's body. Like, we get that, right? Like, like this bacteria causes their hair follicles, their sweat glands, and their nerve endings to be destroyed. Like, the skin in the affected area becomes dry and discolored. And ultimately, it causes the individual to lose their sense of touch. Now, in more, in more severe cases, and some of us probably seen movies or read things, uh, you, you know, basically that they can have large, uh, soft bumps all over their face and their body, and, and their voice will change uh, drastically, blindness can occur, their facial features can be destroyed, and even parts of their bodies, like their fingers, their toes, their nose, their ears, they can actually begin to fall off. Now, if all that isn't bad enough, right, like, I like my nose, okay? If all that wasn't bad enough, in, in that day, if a person contracted leprosy, uh, they were immediately shunned uh, by society. Like they can no longer live in the town or village maybe they grew up in. They were kept in isolation outside the city. And everyone uh, or everywhere they went, uh, literally people had to stay away from. In fact, if they saw someone in the distance, they would have to scream, unclean, unclean, so a person would know to stay away from them. And I think the thing that gets me the most here is, is to actually think that that meant that, that they couldn't hug or touch their family. 
Like I can't imagine in my life not being able to hug my kids and kiss my wife, right? And to think that, man, they couldn't, you know, go and shake a friend's hand or hug a friend and tell them good day. They couldn't even go to the temple and worship. Can you, can you imagine that? Right? Like, like some of us have been isolated for 10 days. Okay? Imagine, like, years. Okay? So, you see, once a person uh, had been diagnosed with leprosy, what we're getting at, they were all considered incurable. And, you know, after all, up until this point, okay, the story we're reading, in biblical history, there had only been two people healed of leprosy. So when these ten guys came down with leprosy, uh, I, I got a feeling that all of them probably lost hope for their future, uh, you know, probably that it couldn't have been changed. Uh, but that was until Jesus showed up. Thank God for that, right? Look at verse 13 with me, please. It says, And they raised their voices and called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I love this verse. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. This is something I really like about Jesus. Notice it doesn't say when he saw their leprosy. It says when he saw them. In other words, he didn't see them like everyone else saw them. He didn't see disease. He didn't see unclean. He didn't see an outcast. He saw some ten guys who were created in the image of God who were born with a divine purpose. Right? And then it goes on and says in verse 14, it says, When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were miraculously healed and made clean. It says, One of them, when he saw that he was healed, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying and praising and honoring God with a loud voice. Then it says, And he lay face downward at Jesus' feet, thanking him over and over again. He was a Samaritan. But watch how Jesus responds to this. This guy's at his feet, thanking him. And then Jesus said, were not ten of you cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was there no one found to return and to give thanks and praise to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith, your personal trust in me and your confidence in God's power has restored you to health. See, the one thing that, that grabs me every time I read this passage of scripture is how Jesus responded to the nine that didn't return to say thank you. See, I, I honestly believe, and I'm sure you agree, that all of them were thankful that they got healed. Wouldn't you agree? Like they got their life back, right? You, you know, and I don't know if it was, uh, you know, because they got caught up in the middle of everything. Maybe they ran home. Maybe they were hugging their wives. Maybe they were kissing their kids. Maybe they were trying to get their old job back. I don't know, but somewhere in the midst of all of that, they forgot to come and to give thanks and, and basically their praise to Jesus. Right and Now, listen, I honestly don't believe when I read this scripture, I don't get the impression that Jesus was angry. Okay? The impression I get is this, is that it broke his heart, that it disappointed him. Right? Because I believe that, listen, that God not expects us to be grateful people, but I think he wants us to see that true thankfulness focuses on the giver rather than the gift that was given. Amen? And, and that's what that lone Samaritan understood that everybody else didn't. Right? So I, I, just let me say this. If you haven't heard anything today, please hear this. Two things that I want you to walk away with from this passage of Scripture is this. Is that I want you to know, so you can throw the next slide up, please. Is that, number one, that God loves gratitude. It's clear. And secondly, that God hates a lack of gratitude. It's clear. Can I get an amen? amen. See, if we realize this or not, and this is why I'm bringing this up today, why I wanted to drop this story in there it's because we really weren't that different than these ten lepers. 
right? Like maybe our nose hadn't ever fall off. Maybe our fingers are still there and our toes are still there and all that stuff. But listen, but listen, thankfully, how can I say this? You and I were actually outcasts in the kingdom of God. We were unclean in our sin. If you don't realize that by now, something's wrong, right? That, that look, but thankfully, Jesus overlooked our shortcomings. He overlooked our dirt, our sin, and what anyone else thought about us. And he saw a man and he saw a woman who was creating his image that he created for a divine purpose. Amen? Listen, in doing so, what did he do? He gave us the opportunity called salvation to get our life back from the leprosy of sin that the fall of man caused. Right? And because of this, today I'm hoping, church, that you and I, I'll just say it this way, it'll be, it would behoove us to remember what David said in 1 Chronicles 17, 16, especially with knowing what's coming up. It says this, says, Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Like, sometimes we need to remember who we used to be versus who we are today. Like, remember when we lived confused, in bondage, in addiction, oppressed, right? When we were, whatever you want to give, depressed, whatever words you want to throw in there. When we used to live like that versus who we are today, man, we got something to be thankful about, right? In fact, listen how to Martin Luther put it so many years ago. He said this. He says, see that you do not forget what you were before. At least you take for granted the grace and the mercy received from God and forget to express your gratitude each day. Well, turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to remember. So, so listen, with that in mind, in spite of everything that's happening, uh, you know, around us, I just want to ask you today, man, when was the last time that we were really grateful for everything he's done for us? Like, grateful for our salvation, grateful for the cross and the resurrection, like, grateful that he's made his home in us, grateful that he's given us a Bible so we can know his heart. Right, like grateful uh, for the fact that we can pray and he answers our prayers. Like grateful that we have a church to come to and we have a church family, right? Thankful for other Christians, especially in the region we live in. Yeah? What about this, that we're grateful for the protection in our lives and about our future home in heaven. We're grateful for his presence in our lives. And we're grateful for the fact that, guess what? As much as there's things that I don't like and you don't like, uh, the reality is we still live in a pretty amazing nation. Right? And how about this, that Let's be thankful that some of us still got a job, right? If you're a kid in here, that you're getting an education, right? That we got cars and a house, that we have toilet paper, bless God, not corn cobs. <laughs> Just want to see if you're awake. All right, so then we got electricity and running water, man. We got food on our table. We got clothes on our back. And, uh, you, you know, listen, we have people we can call family. I even, let me just say it like this, that we'd actually be grateful for a moment, right? Like, like we would drop the American bit, and we had realized that we have, right, more things in our house that we don't use than what most of the world has. Like, that we can be grateful that we are a blessed nation. And it's because of what our nation was founded on. That's why we're blessed. Amen? Yeah. So, listen, I, you know, if I can throw another thought there. I just thinking this week, like, I'm absolutely convinced that when you and I get to heaven, like, the, the light switch is going to turn on and we're going to see all the ways that God has really moved in our lives that we never had a clue. Right? In, in fact, one time, I'll, I'll tell you this. I was sitting in a church service, and I was probably about 20, 
oh, I was probably about 24, 25 years old. And I was sitting in, I was sitting in the service, and we were just kind of praying at the end. And I heard God speak to me clearly because my mind wasn't in this direction. I heard the Lord say to me, Quentin, I was protecting you when you didn't even know how to protect yourself. And I remember being so blown away by that. And immediately two things came to my mind. Number one, obviously I was born. When I was born, two days after I was born, the doctors told my mom to go home and let me die. So God said, you know, my mom pulled me out of that hospital, put me in another hospital. They saved my life. That was Jesus. Right? That was Jesus. Okay? The second thing is when I was a teenager and I was so far from God, didn't have a clue. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And all the things that I was doing and putting in this body of how God protected me because of my heart, uh, that was pretty stupid. Like, that's what the Lord showed me, right? And, and so just imagine that when we get to heaven one day, we're going to go, wow, you did that? You did that? <laughs> oh, you did that? Right? Like we got a lot to be grateful for. Man, I hope I'm not boring you this morning. Let me give you a verse here in, in case you're like, is that biblical? Look at Psalm 68, 19. It says, praise be to the Lord, to, to God our Savior, who daily bears, that means carries, our burdens. Daily carries our burdens. In fact, if you really look at what it means in the Hebrew language, it means that he daily carries you in his arms. And we think, I can't believe that, I can't believe that, and he's like this. Right? Oh, sometimes we don't have a clue. Jesus, help us. Right? There's just so many things we can thank you for. And all I'm saying today is really, man, like, let's not make the mistake of those nine lepers that forgot to come back and just be grateful. Instead, let's have a grateful heart and let's remember to give thanks. I want to share one more story with you and we're done. Because um, it's two-sided today. <clears throat> I think where we miss it so often is being thankful to God, but where I also think we miss is being thankful for people. Okay, and I'll make this quick. I, I read this story years ago, man. I hope it lands in, your, lands in your lap, hits you in the heart, whatever it needs to do. But, but I read this years ago. It's about a guy named Charlie Plum. I don't know if you know who that is, but Charlie Plum was a, a United States Navy jet pilot in Vietnam. And, and on his 76th combat mission, his plane was hit by a surface-to-air missile, uh, and he ejected from his plane, and he floated down into the enemy's hands, he was captured, and he spent the next six years in a Vietnamese prison, and uh, he survived, and to this day he lectures, or at least at this time, uh, lectured on lessons he learned from that experience, right? Now, watch this. One day, Charlie, or Charles, uh, he and his wife were sitting in a restaurant, and, and a man at another table came up to him and said excitedly, you're Plum, you're Charles Plum. You, and he said this, he said, you flew jet, fighter, uh, jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. You were shot down. He went to go reveal other things, uh, other details about their mission. And, and Plum's sitting there. He's like, he didn't recognize the man. And so he finally asked him, how in the world do you know all of that? And the man replied this. Y'all listen. He said, I packed your parachute. <laughs> he said, I was in the Navy too. I worked on the Kitty Hawk. Charles Plum couldn't believe it. Here's what I read. It says, he thanked the man for packing his parachute so many years ago. The man shook his hand and said, wow, I guess it worked. <laughs> Got to love a rigor. All right. Charles assured him, it sure did. If your parachute hadn't worked, I wouldn't be here today. It says, Plum, Plum couldn't sleep that night. He kept thinking about that man. 
He said, I kept wondering what he looked like in a Navy uniform, white hat, bib on his back, bell-bottom trousers. I wonder how many times I might have ignored him, not even acknowledged him with a good morning, how are you? You see, I was a fighter pilot and he was just a sailor, said officer listed thing. Charles thought about how many hours the sailor spent at the long wooden table in the bowels of the Kitty Hawk, carefully weaving the shrouds and folding the silks of each chute, each time holding in his hands the fate of someone he didn't know. And it says, today, Charles Plum, when he gives a speech, regularly asks people, and this is why I'm reading this to you today, who's packing your parachute? Because everyone relies on somebody to make it through the day. See, there are so many people in our lives who are invisible or common to us, just like that rigor, right? Uh, but they're packing our parachutes mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And we need these parachutes. We need these people. And sometimes in the midst of our challenges, our busy lives, it's easy to forget to express our gratitude to those who need to hear it the most. Isn't it so easy to take people for granted? So I want to ask you today, one more time, who's packing your parachute? Who do you need to give thanks to? Like, who do you need to stop and pause maybe over the next week and just send somebody a card or, or give them a phone call or text them and just say, man, thank you, right? Because, so, look, for me, I go back to that picture I showed with that little gal, right? If, if anyone on this planet, once again, outside of her, has ever showed me the unconditional love of God, it was that woman. Yeah, she changed me. Amen? Yeah. So, listen, in closing, let me just say this. If we realize they're not being grateful or ungrateful is a choice that we make. It, it, it's just like anything else. Like, you woke up this morning, you chose what you were going to put on, unless somebody picked it out for you. Okay? Um, but, but listen, you, you choose what to eat, etc. Every day, you and I make choices. And so, in the same way, you and I can choose to be thankful, or we can choose to complain. Right? The choice is ours. And I'm just saying to you today, man, let's make it our goal to be grateful to God every day. Right? Like, let's give thanks to God for the way he has blessed us. You know, I don't know what that looks like for you. That may mean that you sit down at the whatever in the morning, you know, before you run off to our, all of our busy schedules and you begin to write down the things that God did the day before that you're grateful for. Or maybe it's just making that attitude and that posture in prayer. But whatever it is, I would just encourage you to do it. Amen? Amen. Um, if you can, stand to your feet, please. Uh, what I want us to do today is I want us to maybe take a posture in our own heart and, and to actually maybe, if we have to, repent to God and say, Lord, will you forgive me for not being grateful towards you and towards people? And then maybe take a minute to turn it and just begin to thank God, right? Just begin to be grateful uh, for who he is in our lives and what he's done. And... Um, and then, you know, let me even add this. Because um, we don't have to make this some um, drawn-out thing. If you're here today and you're like, man, I don't know Jesus. Or maybe I walked in one time and I'm not with him anymore. I let things that maybe uh, that I begin to gripe, complain, but whatever. I let something get me off course. Uh, but if you need to get right with God today, it's really simple. He's not that far away as you think he is. You know, the reality is, man, he's pursuing you when you were running from him. <laughs> best game attack you've ever played okay and, and so if you need to get right with God today just simply say man Jesus save me right like save me come my life be the Lord of my life my life is yours and, and from this day on 
man, just start walking with him. If you need help with that, man, come talk to us, and we'll be more than happy to help you along on that, on that journey. Amen. Once again, let's thank God for who he is. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.